three, two, one. <laughs> what? Reversal of fortune. That's why I tell my friends everything happens for Seriously, a Seriously, you had one job. I, just, I, I can't with Jesus. some of these people. I just, Put down your goddamn cell phone. I don't think my dad even knows how to use a computer. Uh, Would uh, you rather? All right, trust me, take no, my advice. No, but seriously, that legit happened. How's it going, guys? Welcome to Nervous Habits. This week, I'll be talking with all of you about the deepest parts of the internet known as the dark web. We'll be exploring issues including... In general, why you should be wary of using search engines on the mainstream web. How to access the hidden part of the internet that makes up 95-96% to of the total internet landscape and is not accessible by search engines. And finally, how you can actually harness the anonymous power of the dark web for good and not engage in any illicit or nefarious activities. So right out of the gate, I want to share with all of you guys that nothing that I state in this episode should be taken as endorsement or encouragement of going through the dark web or roaming these websites. This is purely informational. Be mindful of what you're doing. Don't be stupid and do not break the law. You are accountable for your actions. Just have to say that. All that and so much more on another episode of... Nervous habits. What a summer it's been. I mean, uh, the, just everything going on in the world. You have Kanye West running for president. You have presidential debates coming up soon. You have, what the hell else is going on? Everyone's being canceled left and right. I addressed that a couple episodes back. In the bo- or was that, was that last episode? The bonus episode was, um, I, yeah, I addressed that la- no, two episodes ago. The cancel culture, the Karen culture. Uh, people are out of control with Twitter and TikTok. And uh, man, this just it feels like feels like this year is a nightmare that you know we can't wake up from. It's bonkers. I'm um, so I so so this week I so I've been planning for a long time to to dive into the dark web. I had heard about how. You know, I'm sure a lot of you guys have I've heard of, you know, the dark web and the deep web and, you know, maybe you've heard that the notion that we can only access 10% of the internet and the other 90% is the dark web that can only be accessed through, uh, you know, spe- through specific software and browsers that hide your IP address. So I really, I wanted to dive into the dark web. I did a lot of reading on, about it. I actually reached out to a couple of uh, dark web specialists, you know, folks who have written uh, some books on the dark web and... Um, I tried, I tried hard to get him to come on the pod, but I think it's tough. You know, I think people with the pandemic, people are, are definitely more free, you know, more available to do things like podcasts. But as we round out the summer, um, I think folks have commitments lined up and, um, unfortunately was not able to get, uh, an internet expert on the pod to talk about the dark web. So I did a good amount of research and I actually spent, um, an entire day last week just, probing around the dark web, trying to learn about what was on there, uh, to chat about with you all. And, um, and yeah, you know, I, 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 I was eager to, to chat about with you all. So I guess the best place to start is if you don't know, start from square one, all of the internet that you can access from a web browser. So Google and YouTube and all of the social networking platforms that you use, like I said, that only accounts for a small fraction of the internet. It's, it's hard to quantify, um, you know, maybe it's something like five to 10%, but the other, the vast majority, 90 plus percent is what's known colloquially as the deep, the deep web or the dark web. And that's the part of the internet that you can only access with, um, a special browser, which allows users to remain anonymous and to conduct, um, activities, which, you know, 
largely are malicious, but there are legitimate activities on there, and I'll go into that in a minute. But the dark web for a lot of people is, you know, shrouded in mystery. And a friend of mine, um, my friend's girlfriend, you know, explained, uh, I forgot how it even came up, but she started talking to me about um, the different layers of the dark web, and, and it inspired me to venture onto it um, one afternoon. And just so you know, to, to you know, quell any of your anxieties out of the gate, it's not illegal to go on the dark web, right? It's, 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 you know, it's no different than browsing on Google Chrome or browsing on Firefox. Anyone can go on it. You know, it's very easy to do so. I'm going to share with you how to do it. So if you're in front of your computer, if you're curious about how this works, or maybe if you're listening to this in the car, or I guess you wouldn't be at the gym, but, um, or unless, I mean, the, some, some gyms are, are sort of opening up now, um, or states, state specific, but, uh, you know, maybe you're listening to this at home and, and you might want to do it later, but you know, I'm going to share with you how to do it. The, the biggest allure of the dark web is that it's anonymous and I'm sure that, you know, you know that everything you do online can be traced back to you, back to your computer, back to your IP address. So even if you're in incognito mode, so to speak, even if, you know, you're, sure that you know there would be no reason for the CIA or NSA to be tracking you there are uh, the search engines index every single search you know index every single search that you make that's why google you know saves your search history uh, that's how if your records end up being subpoenaed you know let's say um, you end up trying to you know build a bomb or something and the internet service providers end up being subpoenaed by the courts, they can actually submit a record of all of the Google searches that you've made. Um, so, you know, and, and as I'm sure you know, like a, a Google search engine can reveal, a Google search or a list of Google searches can reveal an intimate portrait of a person's life, right? Like if you see, you know, what someone's Googled, you can see, you can see what ailments they think they might have. If someone Googles like how to know if you're, you know, how do you know how to know if you have skin cancer? How do you know if you're having a heart attack? You can see what someone's, you know, sexual preferences are. If, if you, you know, if people are Googling porn, um, you can see what people's fears and anxieties are. If people are Googling, you know, message boards, how to know if your boyfriend might want to break up with you, you know, how to know if your friend is phasing you out. So you get a list of, of you know, all these Google search terms and you really can paint a portrait of a person's identity. And all that's to say... On the regular web, you know, that you use, there is pretty much no anonymity. And my friend was actually telling me, I'm, I'm sure you guys have heard the idea that someone can hack your web camera and film you without your knowledge or, or consent. So as soon as my friend mentioned that to me, my immediate response was, well, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't the light be on, you know, wouldn't you, you be able to um, essentially know, you, you know, that you were being filmed when, when the, the, the light on the webcam be on. And she essentially said that you can write a single line of code in the command window that will, that will basically order your computer to turn the light off while it's filming. So it is pretty easy for someone with sophisticated hacking skills to hack into your web camera and spy on you. Like that sound, you know, that, that sounds like it's perfectly, um, le- you know, legitimate. I mean, you, that's another reason sort of as an aside, why you should cover up your, Um, your webcam on your computers. But be that as it may, you know, anytime you go on the internet and search something, there is a record on it. And that's part of the reason why I recommend that people start using the search engine duckduckgo.com because DuckDuckGo, unlike Google, does not save your searches. They don't store your personal information 
um, or share any of your personal information with advertisers um, in order to make money on your preferences. They don't, you know, there's no ads or anything like that. There's no, um, you know, search engine optimization isn't as prevalent with DuckDuckGo, uh, and it's it's just a much safer way to browse than Google. Um, but either way, all search engines actually index any website on it, which all that means is that if you search plane tickets from U.S. to Milan. Two million web pages will come up, um, and you know you click through each one. Maybe one of them has Expedia tickets. You know, one of them has Priceline, what have you. And every website that you can access comes up in the search engine results on Google or on DuckDuckGo. But it doesn't work that way in the dark web, right? You would actually need to know the web page specifically first before going to it. There isn't really a search engine on the dark web where you can punch in a term and get a list of onion sites. There is something called onion land, which, which I'll mention later, but it's not like Google where, you know, you go to onion land and you search for something in the dark web and it comes up. You'll see there's no, there's no, you know, meth methodological organization to the sites. It's, it's more random. It's, it's more difficult to use by and large. If you want to access a web page on the dark web, you have to know what the website is. Um, first, and all the web pages actually end in .onion, .onion. It's not .com, .org, .net. It's .onion. So you really need to know what the the web page is uh, before you can access the Onion site. The dark web, it's gained a rec- reputation for being like a hotbed of criminal activity, and something that I knew going into it, and something that was reinforced by my experience, there is criminal activity in the dark web. You know. You can buy credit card numbers, um, drugs, guns, counterfeit money. You know, hacked Netflix accounts, and um, you, you know you can buy login credentials to a, a fifty thousand dollar Bank of America account for five hundred dollars. You can get three thousand dollars in counterfeit bills for six hundred dollars. Um, you can you know buy prepaid debit cards. You can buy lifetime Netflix accounts. You can hire hackers. I'm gonna sort of go into detail on what specifically. I saw on the dark web beyond that like general synopsis, but there is a lot of nefarious shit on there. And absolutely, I do not think that you should go on the dark web and be engaging in this sort of activity because it will follow you. And there are mechanisms, even though you are by and large anonymous, there are mechanisms by which you can be caught on the dark web. For example, if you have an undercover um, CIA agent who's selling you know, a counterfeit money or selling, you know, uh, hacker for hire services. And then you, you know, send them your information or, or, or whatever. Um, it's, it is difficult to track because of, you know, you don't actually pay with a credit card. You pay with Bitcoin, which I'll talk about, but you know, you're not invincible. And I think that's, that's the, the mistake people make with the dark web is people think anything they do on the dark web, you know, they'll never be caught. And no, it's, and that's just not the case. Um, so Definitely not an endorsement on you know on uh, engaging in illicit activity online, but there is a lot of criminal activity on the dark web. Now that being said, not everything is illegal on the dark web. The dark web does have a legitimate side. You know, you can join a chess club. You can uh, there you know there are tons of message boards. There's um, you know the Facebook of Tor, which is sort of the, the counterpart to ordinary Facebook. So you can sort of like harness the power, the anonymous power of the dark web for good. So I guess the first thing you should know is how to access the dark web. This is, this is where I sort of began my search. So to, so to access the dark web, you have to download Tor, T-O-R. 
All Tor is is a web browser, much like Google Chrome or Safari or Firefox, but it is completely anonymous. And the way that it works is that it reroutes your IP address several times. So right now, you access google.com from your laptop or your desktop computer. Let's say you are someone who needs privacy. Let's say you're a journalist and you're investigating a high-profile case. As I said earlier, anyone with advanced hacking skills can just track your IP address and be able to identify your computer, your location, and your personal identity. It probably wouldn't be that hard. And, And, you know, as I also alluded to, if there are legal reasons to locate you. Let's say you've um, threatened, you know, let's say you've threatened someone or, or it's an issue of national security. They can literally force the um, internet providers to reveal your IP address if you're using one of those basic browser web browsers. Especially in this day and age, it's really, it's getting more and more common to uh, dox people by their IP address. But with Tor, your IP address is rerouted three to four times through countries around the world. So, Essentially, okay, this is going to get a little confusing. You can use Tor to go on normal websites with this added anonymity. So if you search, you open up Tor and you search google.com, it will bounce your internet requests and your data through an extensive network of relays around the world. The data path is never the same because they use up to 5,000 different relays to send your data request. So think of it as a a huge network of hidden servers that keep your IP address, your online identity, and your location totally invisible. So if you, you know, if you are following along with me at home, or, or if you want to do this later, if you download Tor, you download Tor totally for free, you go to the, the torproject.org, and you go to duckduckgo.com, because remember, we're, we're trying to use that instead of Google. So you type that into Tor, and you will see the DuckDuckGo website come up. To the left of the address bar, you'll see a green um, padlock, and then you'll see a, an, uh, a little eye with a circle. You hover over that. It says show site information. Then you're going to see underneath connection, it says Tor circuit, and it's going to say this browser. Then it's going to say all a list of all the countries, France, you know, for me, France, Germany, Norway, and then back to the United States. So this is, as I said, this is the, the data path through which your internet requests are being sent around the world. So it starts with country one, you know, Norway and, and one IP address. Then underneath that is country two, Italy and another IP address. Then country three, Canada or Korea or Argentina. And then country four, back to the United States. So it does become, I, you know, I wouldn't say virtually impossible, but extremely difficult to track, you know, what your original IP address is when using Tor. And just to be clear, you know, if it was a little confusing before, you can use Tor to access the normal web. You can search, you can open up Tor and search Google and Facebook and YouTube instead of Google, instead of using Google Chrome or Firefox or Safari. It's much, much, much safer because you have almost complete anonymity, but it just takes longer to load your pages since the internet requests are going through layers of the relays that I mentioned before. So like right now, here, ready? This will be, this will be a fun little experiment. So right now, let's check my internet speed. So I am on a brand new router, um, brand new router modem at my apartment. And if you go to uh, speedtest.net, a global, it offers a global broadband speed test. You just hit go in the center and it says, yep, it identified my location. And now it's testing my download and upload speed. My download speed is... 
238.66 megabytes per second. That's really fast. And my upload speed is 5.9. That's really fast too. It's it's funny. I think the I think the average. I don't know what the average is, but I remember 100 100 and above is considered fast. So 238. That's lightning fast internet speed. So now let's say I open up YouTube on my regular browser, and I'm just gonna hit what comes up over under recommended videos. Bill Burr, First Lady. Well, he's really funny. Oh, okay. So this. So I click it, immediately loads, no problem. The the uh, the little gray buffer is, is almost entirely full on the bottom. So now let's try that on Tor. So we open up Tor, the Tor browser, because that was all on Google Chrome. And let's say I now go to YouTube. Keep in mind my internet speed is 238 uh, for download speed, um, megabytes per second. So I open up YouTube on Tor, and you can see, I mean, you can't see it right now, but it's taking... One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi. It took six seconds to load. Six seconds to load on that internet speed using Tor. And now if I open up, um, so there's no saved searches because I'm not logged into any account on Tor. So now if I open up some video that comes up, uh, it's all it's all in French, I guess, because my IP address. Yep, my IP address. The first layer is France. So Mr. V rap versus reality. So now if I click this open. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi. So you, so you know what the internet speed is, and it takes, you know, much. I guess all this is to say this. This was sort of a, a roundabout detour, but it takes much longer to access the regular web using Tor. Um, no matter how fast your internet speed is compared with general web browsers, but there is the trade-off where you do have complete anonymity in a crowd. Um, but most of the time, people will use Tor to access the dark web, not the regular web. Uh, one, one more thing I read, uh, when you're on Tor, th- this is sort of a tip if you're, if you're doing it now or later, uh, the important thing is not to maximize your browser. Like let's say you, know, you, you, open, up, um, you open up Google Chrome and the window is sort of like half the total length of your entire screen. Most people will stretch it out you know, to, to make it fit the, the width and the length of your, um, of your computer screen. You shouldn't actually do that with Tor. I, I read that if someone was looking to track you, they could find out your screen resolution and the size of your laptop or computer um, to do that. If you did maximize using Tor, it's it's not super likely, but if you know, just to be ultra safe, I would keep when using Tor. If you want to preserve your anonymity, I would keep your screen um, smaller. You know, don't don't make it fill up the length of your laptop, so you can ensure that you know there's a higher probability that someone won't trace you, even though it's unlikely that they would anyway. So. I decided to spend a whole day on Tor looking around. So as I said, you know, downloaded the software. So I made the mistake of Googling on the Tor browser thinking that would be the way to access the dark web. But again, it just gave me the same indexed search results that I would get on the regular web. If you search something on Google using Chrome or you search something on Google using Tor, you're going to get the same results. So instead, I went to DuckDuckGo.com using my Tor browser and I searched best onion sites. And I found a few pages with with hundreds of onion URLs listed. Again, it wasn't like I searched, let's, let's say I was looking for something perfectly legitimate. Let's say I was look, looking to join a chess club, but I wanted an onion site instead of a .com site. It's not as simple as me searching um, the regular, you know, searching DuckDuckGo and just searching for chess club. To get the list of the best onion sites, I need to actually first find the page with the onion URLs. Um, And then to access each of the sites, I would need to copy and paste them into a separate Tor tab with the file extension .onion. And the difficult thing here is the names of Onion sites are not simple, you know, one word 
sites. It's not like Amazon.com, Netflix.com, ChessClub.com. If you're looking for drugs, it's not drugs.onion. It's not, you know, if you're looking for hackers, it's not hackersforhire.onion. They were these complicated 20-letter, 30-letter um, sequences, you know, W-Y-R-G-S-F-W-O-P-3592-K-M-D-G-F-1-4-6-2-O-N-I-O-N. You know, you can see the measures that these people go to to ensure that these sites won't get shut down, right? Like not only using Tor and having a .onion file extension, but also making it so that these are randomly generated words and numbers that the only way you can find them, let's say if you are, you know, the NSA or the CIA, the only way you can find these sites and, sh- and shut them down is if you have the URLs first, right? If you, if people were stupid enough to just make a website like uh, fake driver's license.onion, it would be pretty easy to find the site and shut it down, right? But like they use these random, you know, these random things in order to to have that protection. But the downside of it's of it is it's pretty hard to find these sites unless you have the list of the URLs ahead of time. So so you see this list of, you know, best onion sites and then next to each of the URLs, it'll put in like parentheses, it'll be like if you're looking for X, if you're looking for, you know, um, prepaid credit cards, you're looking for counterfeit money, it'll say the URL and then parentheses that. So you click one of the sites and again, I need to I need to sort of like like caution you and say, how do I say this? You need to be ultra cautious. Everything you click on the dark web that you are a, a responsible, autonomous, independent adult, and you are responsible for the consequences of your actions. So be very careful what you click on on the dark web. Make sure you know what you're clicking on before you venture onto that page. Because I, so I was lucky enough. I didn't see any sort of disturbing images or disturbing content on there, but you know, it's called the dark web for a reason. So you need to, to be prudent and you need to be cautious about what you might encounter on there. So you go to the Onion site, you click on it, and that's when you start to see stuff. And as I mentioned above, the rumors are true. A lot of it was illegal. So there was one page which was essentially just Craigslist, um, which was like a Craigslist equivalent for buying drugs like you know benzodiazepines like Xanax and Ativan or cocaine or weed or ecstasy. You... Set your quantity, and then you know you check out, and you can purchase drugs that way using Bitcoin. There was another page which was selling guns, uh, which is really terrifying to think about. You know, people accessing firearms in the dark web because we already we already have a, a problem. I'm not I'm not even gonna get in my soapbox, but you know, you guys know from previous episodes how passionate I am about gun reform. Um, but we you know we have a problem in America with people getting guns legally because of insufficient, you know, background checks and mental health checks and um, all that stuff. So now to think that people are accessing guns on the dark web is alarming. There was another place which was servicing hackers to hack someone's email account, someone's social media, or even change someone's grades, which is uh, sort of crazy to think about. I, I was surprised this was even possible that let's say you, you know, have someone you can't stand um, and, you know, you hire one of these hackers on the dark web tell the, the person, give the person, give, you give the hacker the person's full name and the school and somehow, you know, they can go in and uh, hack the system and, and change the grade. I mean, I would think in that case that the school would have a record of the previous grade or the student would authenticate it. So I don't know how that would work. Um, I got major Mr. Robot vibes. This whole, honestly, this whole uh, interest I think was catalyzed because um I might have mentioned in the bonus episode, but I, 
I am almost done with season four of Mr. Robot. Love the show. Uh, and I, I think it's, it's very much catalyzed my interest in, in hacking and, and you know, learning about, about this kind of thing. But it's, it's almost horrifying to think about. But, you know, there are people out there who will contract hackers to, to just completely obliterate someone online. Um, and you would hope that there aren't people out there like that. But look, I'm just, I'm just providing, I'm just providing the information. I, I, I conducted this search mainly as a, um, this was mainly like a, a like a, an audit for me, you know, like you audit a class in college. I was auditing I, this stuff, you know, you can cover your ears and cover your eyes and act like it's not happening, but there are, you know, thousands, maybe millions of people that use the dark web. Uh, and it's, as I said, it's easier than you think. So, um, what else did I see? There were fake driver's licenses were, were, were very common. Um, Counterfeit money, I alluded to earlier, was common. Uh, access to cheap credit cards. And you have to wonder how these, uh, you know, the people selling these services on the dark web are, are actually getting a hold of, for example, cheap credit cards. Like who's – someone's got to be screwed over. And the sad thing is if you are someone who, you know, decides to break the law and deal with potential consequences and purchase a, a prepaid debit card or – you know, a, a 10,000 credit limit credit card from the dark web for cheap, there's a good chance that there's, you know, a, a, an old grandmother in Idaho who lost her credit card or whose identity got stolen or, or, you know, whose information is now online and you're screwing her over, you know? And, and it's, it's not like these guys are making credit cards appear out of thin air. People, it's a zero-sum game. People are getting screwed. So just keep that in mind. Uh, you also have citizenship papers where where you can actually purchase passports. You can search, uh, purchase social security numbers. And again, like the process of actually creating a social security number, like you can't create, just, just to reiterate, you can't create a social security number out of thin air. It's assigned by the SSA and there's, you know, layers and layers of encryption that would take a long time to actually decrypt. And so if if someone is giving you a social security number, there's a chance I was talking to that friend about this that this is a dead child or you know someone who passed away you know untimely that whose number you're getting when you purchase fake citizenship papers. So like I said, drugs, guns, hackers for hire, um, fake driver's license, counterfeit money, cheap credit cards, citizenship papers, everything that you can buy in the dark web. In all of those things that you can buy in the dark web are illegal. And I'm going to put on my future lawyer hat for a moment because just in case any of you are enticed to buy any of this stuff online, if you are caught, for example, um, using counterfeit money, trying to make a purchase with a fake $20, $50, $100 bill, if you are, are caught intentionally creating or using counterfeit money to purchase goods, so it would actually be a federal crime in violation of the U.S. code. And you know you could be looking at a fine of up to $15,000 or more. Or 15 years in prison, right? Those are, those are some of the sentencing guidelines just for using counterfeit money that you buy on the deep web. If, I mean, let's look at drugs. If you're caught buying drugs in the dark web, again, I think that generally, you know, the DEA and, and federal agencies, they're more concerned with nabbing sellers rather than buyers. But if they wanted to, they could prosecute you under the U.S. Code, under the Controlled Substance Act. If you were in a state that was stringent, had stringent drug, drug laws like California, 
they could, you know, hit you with severe fines and potentially imprisonment for possession. If you were buying drugs in the dark web with the intent to distribute, let's say you wanted to resell Oxy or Xanax that you bought cheap on the dark web, then you're looking at, I mean, you know, look up the, the Controlled Substance Act. Look, look up all the amendments, you know, to it. Depending on the drug, if you're, if you're talking about something like PCP or LSD, you know, it could be quarter million dollars in fines. could be years of imprisonment. You need to think long and hard before you start buying drugs on the dark web. There was a website, and I'm going to talk about um, uh, Pirate Bay a little later, but a couple years ago there was a website, Alpha Bay, which was like an Amazon marketplace just for drugs. You know, something like I, I there was a survey like nine, ten percent of all people have said that they've bought drugs from the dark web from Alpha Bay at some point in their lives. It you know, it seems like since that website was t- taken down, since the Silk Road was taken down, that um, it's not as prevalent. But you know, there are a number, you know, a good number of people who do that. And as I said, you know, you look at cases like um, this uh, this guy Christopher Bantley, uh, who was on Alpha Bay, who sold. Fentanyl and uh, opioids to a string of undercover DEA agents, um, and uh, you know he was caught. He was indicted uh, back in September 2016. It wasn't clear how the federal agents were identified, were able to locate him. You know, despite the fact that he was using the dark web, and um, but they were able to find him. They took down Alpha Bay and they charged him to the fullest extent of the law. And right now, this guy's serving a 10-year U.S. sentence for you know drug trafficking in the dark web. So all that's to say that this is serious shit that you're doing on the internet. I think a lot of people feel, and, and you know, I'll get into this more a little later, but a lot of people feel like they're invincible. If they're doing something on the dark web, they're typing behind a computer screen, there's a layer of protection, but you know, you, you can end up spending 10 seconds and, and clicking around on the web and, and you know, serving jail time for a long time as a result of that. So anyway, that's sort of the, the high-level overview for what I, um, you know, some of the stuff that I saw on the dark web. Uh, and I'll admit it was startling. It was eerie how pretty much anyone could access could buy or sell anything they want on the dark web guns drugs prostitutions there are i, I want to emphasize that there are elements of the dark web that are far more innocuous because it's not it's not all dark it's not all bad um it was almost like a mirror world you know i saw a reddit like forum but with questions some of the questions were more colorful you know it's not on reddit uh explain like I'm five, explain how a toaster works, or today I learned, today I learned, you know, um, uh, that the thumb is not a finger, like, like whatever. It, it wasn't like that. It was more, you know, like more nefarious questions, more uh, adult content, I guess. There was a Facebook-like site, which basically looked identical. It's, it's what you would expect. And while we're on this subject, actually another, uh, I, I should have mentioned this before, but another pretty decent place to start when you're just venturing out on the dark web. If you go to hiddenwiki.org, they actually do have a list of the uh, .onion URL directories. So like if you go on, you'll see it starts with, um, I guess they have the DuckDuckGo search engine, which I mentioned, the Tor project. And then they have all sorts of other stuff. Discounted electric goods, you'll scroll down, fake IDs, um, USA citizenship, organic cannabis, the Matrix Trilogy? What is this? I'm going to click on this because I'm, I'm intrigued by it. Uh, Scientology Archives. See, some of this, some of this really isn't that um, – isn't heinous or anything. A ton of forums, an anonymous email service, WikiLeaks. Then you have a bunch of hacking services. This – hiddenwiki.org might be actually better than 
the original list that I use. But you, you know, you explore here erotic hard candy, erotic gel bait, um, and you know, it, it, it's it's a good place to start. By now, you might be wondering, you know, how is this secure? How can anyone actually pay for this stuff without getting tracked? And I mentioned this earlier, but every vendor on the deep web only accepts cryptocurrency. You cannot accept, you know, you can't you can't give someone your credit card, you can't do cash, you can't do PayPal. You can only use um, Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Uh, if you don't know about crypto, I'll give you a 60 second spiel on how that's virtually on on how it's virtually untra- untraceable. And you can skip ahead um, a minute or two if you are familiar with with crypto. But Bitcoin is a type of digital currency that is bought bought and sold on exchanges like Bitstamp, uh, Coinbase, um, Bitfinex, uh, Bitfinex, and people can send Bitcoins to each other using mobile apps or their computers. They can be stored in a digital wallet, which is sort of like a virtual bank account that allows users to pay for goods or save their money. And every Bitcoin transaction is recorded on a public log. This is the blockchain that you've heard so much about. And the log never reveals the names of the buyers or sellers, only their wallet IDs. Because Bitcoin is highly anonymized, this is the currency that all private transactions on the dark web involve. If you want to learn more about Bitcoin, investopedia.org can give you some really good information. You can you know, listen to uh, you know, videos at 1.5 speed on YouTube, uh, or you can listen to my podcast on cryptocurrency, which was episode 23. And... Essentially, the, so the benefit of Bitcoin is if you have Bitcoin, it's highly anonymous, virtually untraceable. The drawback is there's no, there's no centralized authority. There's no money back guarantee. You know, if you, if you purchase something with a credit card on Amazon and it doesn't come, you can dispute the transaction with your credit card company. You can contact, you know, the, the, the seller. You can go through Amazon. You can go through eBay, whatever the, the website is. It doesn't work that way for crypto. If someone scams you on the dark web, you're SOL, okay? You're shit out of luck because there's no, you know, you can't dispute the transaction with the bank because there is no bank. You know, Bitcoin is decentralized. There's no actual, you know, agency responsible for administering it. It's just P2P. It's person to person. So, you know, I, I didn't encounter this a lot, but there are scams on the dark web. There are fraudsters who will steal your identity, who will, you know, especially if, if you know, people are more ignorant, older people who go on the dark web and they don't know all of this and they think it's safe to provide their credit card information to someone. You know, fraudsters will take your, you know, they'll steal your identity. They'll steal your credit card and payment information. During uh, the COVID night, during, you know, uh, COVID when the stimulus checks came out, there were people on the dark web who were scamming folks out of stimulus checks. Um, and the risk that you run with Bitcoin is there's no, you know, you can't get your money back. So that's something to be, to be mindful of. Um, and on the note of you know identity identity theft in general, there that's another area I didn't really you know mention it earlier, but there is a good deal of financial data and identity information that gets tossed around the dark web. So you really you have to be mindful of you know phishing p p h i s ing, which is a method of trying to gather your personal information using deceptive emails and websites. Maybe you get an email at work that says, oh, you know, click here for a Starbucks to be entered in a raffle for a Starbucks gift card. And you don't realize that it looks like it's saying, you know, uh, promotions at Starbucks.com, but it's actually like, like promotions at 
starbucks.com.gmail.com or something. So you have to be wary of cyber attacks, be wary of, you know, folks who are moving around, you know, websites shutting down and opening up because they're stealing, you know, your personal information and, and selling it. You know, it's all sorts of, all sorts of that activity happens on, you know, the deep web as opposed to the surface web. The dark web is, has the extension dot onion because it is really like an onion. You know, you peel back a layer and you go from the surface web, which is like, as I said, one, two, three percent to the next, like the, the dark web and the deep web, which is 96, 99 percent, what have you. But there's also, you know, these these web addresses change so much because they're mindful of DDoS attacks, which are um, denial of service attacks, uh, cyber attacks where they will flood the system to temporarily, you know, uh, disrupt the services of, of a website. And that's one of the most powerful weapons that hackers can use to attack you know, computer systems and, and, and to uh, make an online service unavailable to, uh, to folks. So all this is to say, like, you need to be extremely careful, um, not only what information you're providing over the dark web, um, but also what you're clicking on. Um, because as I hope I've like made pretty clear to you, you're not actually hidden or you're not as, as hidden as, as you think you are. All in all, you know, I spent the day in the dark web and I'm still sort of, <laughs> I'm still exploring it, you know, a week later and it was super overwhelming. It was alarming and I had to log off and I appreciate the privacy and security of Tor, but ultimately I was distressed by how easily people can access these things. And, you know, even if you feel untraceable, just want to emphasize the DHS, the FBI, the CIA, the NSA, DEA, they regularly roam dark, the dark web and like I, like I said earlier, they do pose undercover to bust people for illicit activities. If you follow the news, this was – the dark web really you know, came into the public eye because back in 2013, the FBI shut down the website The Silk Road, which was a black market known for selling illegal drugs, similar to Alpha Bay, um, but much bigger. And at one point, they had something like 100,000 buyers, and they laundered hundreds of million dollars deriving from these transactions. So the FBI managed to infiltrate the website, shut it down, and arrest this guy, Russ Ulbricht. Uh, Ulbricht or Ulbright? Ulbright, the ringleader. And it's actually an interesting story. I was reading about it um, the other day. So this guy, Ulbright, was running the Silk Road while living under a fake name in a one-bedroom apartment in San Francisco. Um, and he paid for his rent, I guess, in $1,000 cash. But as, you know, m- you know, much like with a lot of folks that get busted— he sort of got sloppy. And if you're going to, you know, if you're going to be responsible for the largest marketplace on the dark web in the world, you should probably be more cautious than this. Because back in uh, 2011, this guy was on a, a Bitcoin talk forum and he posted some something. He was asking for assistance with, quote, an anonymized version of Amazon.com. And he told people to send responses. Get this. This, this guy was using a Bitcoin talk forum on the surface web. His IP could be easily traced. He was not on Tor. He was not using any sort of VPN, um, which would you know disguise your, conceal your, your location, your IP address. He told people to send responses to russolbright at gmail.com. And he also referenced silkroad420.wordpress.com. So he mentioned his name. He mentioned that he was linked to Silk Road 420, that that was his project. And... I guess his IP could have been, you know, easily traced with this. So, as you would assume, the FBI figured out his location. He left his apartment to visit 
the Glen Park branch of the San Francisco Public Library in the southern part of the city one day. The library staff saw him set up his laptop, um, and then a couple hours later, they heard a crashing sound, and they saw like eight FBI agents arresting him and seizing his laptop. They tailed him to the library, and they were just waiting for him to open his computer and enter his passwords before swooping in. This guy was sentenced to life in prison without parole. I think he, he should still be there. Let me double check. Yep, he's currently incarcerated at the U.S. Penitentiary in Tucson. You can learn more about him on, uh, I guess, his Wikipedia here. Um, argued his sentence was too too harsh, the court for the Second Circuit. Um, see, now I'm interested in this from a legal perspective. In a 139-page opinion, the court affirmed the denial of his motion to suppress evidence. Uh, he filed a writ of cert with the court, asked them to hear it. Um, government filed a response. The Supreme Court denied the petition. He attempted to vacate his life sentence based on a claim of ineffective assistance of counsel by his defense lawyers. Oh, I learned about that in Crim. Um, interesting. This attempt was rejected. See, now I'm going to – you guys have to bear with me for a moment because now I'm going to click this. Silk Road mastermind Ross Albright attempts to vacate life sentence. Uh, they seized $48 million from Albright. Interesting. Interesting. I'll, I'll definitely look into this later. But all that's to say – you know, the moral of the story here is that even with Tor and even on the dark web, you are still not invincible and you're responsible for your actions. I feel like I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here. You know, people feel like I haven't I haven't even mentioned, um, you know, the mercenary element of it where people will order literally. I think I saw one link. I didn't, I didn't click on it. Thank God. But it was like ordering a hit on someone's life. Um, and, you know, people will think that because it's done behind the safety of their computer screen is less egregious, but it's, you know, whether it's done in person or, or online, it's just as bad and you're just as responsible. Um, so yeah, I, I think that as I will say though, sort of ending this, um, thread on a positive note there, the, the power of the dark web can be harnessed for good in that more and more companies are using Tor to you know, for confidential communications, for you know, uh, employers employees to access the web pages. More and more people are using Tor in place of ordinary web web browsers like Google and Firefox and Safari to have that added layer of IP protection. So even if you have no intent on doing any of the things that I've spoken about, and you just want to use your internet for Reddit or YouTube, well, maybe not for YouTube, but for Reddit. And Facebook and Twitter, you can do that on tour, um, uh, you know, without actually, uh, without actually needing to use the dark web. So there you have it. That is, so that is my uh, deep dive into the deep web. Um, hopefully, I did an okay job as a lay a lay person, a non tech expert, um, detailing my exploration there. So next week, on a more positive note, I'm going to be joined by best-selling author Amy Morgan for a conversation all about mindfulness and meditation. For all those listening that have trouble turning off their internal stream of consciousness and sitting quietly and peacefully for just 60 seconds, you won't want to miss this episode. We talk about mindful movement, hosting a day of silence. Uh, creating mindfully, and all sorts of ways to meditate when you don't have the time or the attention span. That's coming up next week on Nervous Habits. Thank you so much for listening, guys. This has been Nervous Habits Podcast. Of course, you 
can follow the podcast on Instagram at Never Subs Podcast, Twitter, Never Subs underscore. Search for clips and full episodes on YouTube at Never Subs Podcast. And email the pod, Never Subs Podcast at gmail.com. Never Subs Podcast at gmail.com. And remember, if you're thinking about poking around on the dark web, don't maximize your screen, don't reveal any of your personal information, skip the drug trafficking, and just head over to Reddit. Thanks for listening and stay nervous.